Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast, Sefer Hoshea, today, Chapter 12, Parakud Bet. And our learning is dedicated towards the brave Chayalei Tzvah Haganal Israel for their success and their safe return, for the swift return of all of the hostages and for the healing of all of the injured and the wounded in this war in Gaza. Let's take a look here at chapter 12 and I have a question for you as we start the chapter. What is the earliest Midrash on Tanakh? Or when were the first commentaries on the biblical stories written? And here might be a surprising answer. The first Midrashim, so to speak, are in fact in the Tanakh itself. For example, we've already seen in our recent learning in Yechezkel, when we learned chapter 16 and chapter 20 of Yechezkel, we heard a, a new take on the stories of the state of Israel in Egypt. When you learn Sefer Tehillim, there are seven plagues and not ten plagues. And our chapter of Hosea chapter 12 is going to have a whole new take on Yaakov Avinu. The topic of the chapter is the unfaithfulness, the trickery and the fraudulence of the northern kingdom, Mamlecha Israel. We begin, Pasuk Aleph, Savavuni Bekacha Shephraim. Ephraim surrounds me with deceit over Miramah Beit Israel and the house of Israel with trickery, with guile. Yehuda gets off lightly. Yehuda od radim el. Yehuda stands firm with God and is faithful to the Holy One. But Ephraim ro'eruach. Ephraim shepherds the wind. V'rodef kadim. And pursues the, again, the easterly wind, the, the gale. Koleom kazav v'shod yarbeh. He lies all day. He amasses stolen goods. In other words, here, the dishonesty and the deception is directed to the fraudulent means and illegal gains through which the kazav and the shod, through which the kingdom, you know, are running their economy. And furthermore, they make a covenant one minute with Assyria and the next minute they carry oil to Egypt. The deceit is also in the geopolitical sphere. You can't trust a word they say. They merely follow short-term policy um, expediency instead of a trustworthy political policy. And that's what Hoshea speaks of when he said that they shepherd the wind. Their allegiances will be with whatever blows in. The last person they had a conversation with, they don't have any firm political alliances. So we see this sort of atmosphere, this uh, shifting, dishonest, fraudulent, betraying trickery of the northern kingdom. And later on, the prophet warns and says, Return to God. Practice kindness. Practice justice. And trust in God. So this is the background. But now we come to the biblical figure of Yaakov. And we will ask the question, where does the northern kingdom get it all from? And here's the, the, the line. Babeten akav etachiv. In the womb, 
he tried to trick his own brother. The northern kingdom saw themselves as particularly connected to Yaakov Avinu. If you think about it, Avraham, we frequently find him, he, he comes into the land to Shechem, but then he moves down and he's frequently in Be'er Sheva and in Gerar and in Hebron. But Yaakov's places, so to speak, are in the north. Yaakov's famous dream is in Beit El. Yaakov's struggle with the angel is in uh, the Yabok, and then he Machanaim, he meets the angels, and Vayavo Yaakov Shalem Ir Shechem, and the story of Dina in Shechem, and Yaakov's second revelation in Beit El. It would seem that the people in the north connected in particular to Yaakov. And here we read Babeten in the womb, Akav Etachiv. Yaakov tricked his brother. And what are we saying here? In the Torah, Yaakov is so called because he was born holding on to Esau's heel. There's no value judgment. This is this is just a fact. He was born holding on to the, the heel. It was Esau who first uses Yaakov's name and says, he, he tricked me twice. But now Hoshea is saying to the people of Ephraim, you guys, you are deceitful because your forebear was deceitful from the womb, from even before birth. He isn't Yaakov, uh, he's a hustler. Even the story with the Malach is read as an extortion, not a, as a heroic struggle. He says, With his strength, with his on, he prevailed against a god. He strove with an angel and prevailed. The angel wept and implored with him. Beit El Yinsa'enu, then at Beit El he found him, Vasham Yadaberimanu, and there he spoke to us. It's almost as if Yaakov's great prophecy at Beit El is a, was a result of the battering Yaakov gave the angel. Yaakov is sort of being recast as a, as a thug, as a violent man. And later in the chapter, Vayivrach Yaakov Sede Aram. Yaakov escapes to the Sede Aram. It's not clear whether Yaakov is escaping to Aram, running away from Esav as a result of his deception towards his father, or possibly running away from Lavan like a thief in the light. Vayignov Yaakov at Lev Lavan. Running away from Lavan after he has deceived Lavan. But whichever way, Yaakov comes out very badly. Now, of course, this is drush. This is a rereading of Yaakov. And so why is Hoshea being so cruel to the biblical personality of Yaakov? Because this indeed is the nature of drush. The purpose of drush is to reread the Bible in a way which is very relevant to the case at hand. And here, the reading recasts Yaakov to provoke and cajole the people of the north to examine their behavior, to ask themselves whether where, where their dishonesty comes from, where this penchant for lack of faithfulness emerges from. And he wants to put this provocative image of Yaakov in front of them so that they can begin to do some cheshbon nefesh. So this is one uh, take on our chapter. I have to say that the language of Sefer Hoshea, especially for all of you who have been actually reading through the Psukim, 
you will notice that the language is very, very difficult. Many of the academics claim that uh, the sentence structure is a sort of almost a different dialect, that Hoshea is actually a prophet who comes from the north, and that maybe the north of Israel had a slightly different dialect of Hebrew, a different syntax, and therefore many of the sentences, even in this chapter, are very difficult to decipher. And I'll just give you one example at the end of the chapter, exactly the verse we just read, verse 13 and 14, Vayivrach Yaakov Aram, Yaakov fled to the land of Aram, Vayavod Yisrael Isha. He served for a wife, and he served for that woman. And God brought Israel out of Egypt through a prophet. Now, if you take the paralleling of these two psukim, you get a very different image of Yaakov. And uh, you say, Think about Yaakov. Yaakov in, in Aram, he served seven years. What a commitment. Seven years of working for a, for a wife. And then, of course, he was tricked and he ended up working 14 years for Rachel. And likewise, Hashem brought Am Yisrael up with, through a Navi. And maybe Moshe Rabbeinu also thought it would be a short amount of time. He'd take them straight from Egypt to the land of Israel, Uvanavi Nishmar, and through the prophet they were guarded. According to this reading, we actually see two versions of Yaakov. We're saying that on the one hand, Yaakov had a style of his personality, which maybe he got from the womb. He had a tendency towards trickery. However, he was capable of overcoming it. He was capable of overcoming it when he understood that he had to work for seven years and then 14 years for Rachel. You see his steadfast commitment. And in this reading, you see a completely different message. You see the prophet turning around to the people and say, your trickery comes from Yaakov, but this is not something which is cast in, in a way that you cannot overcome it. In fact, Yaakov himself was able to override his personality and remain true to his word, and you too, you can as well. So there's a different reading, um, a more positive line to take away from this chapter. Have a great day.